Hey everybody, welcome to the Daily Objective. Today is a yet another American holiday, I believe, Cyber Monday, a tradition that began when the internet first kind of became what it became, where rather than going to the store as you would on Black Friday, you're now ordering stuff online, hence the name Cyber Monday. Now, of course, the world became a place where people largely just order stuff online anyway, and especially in the year 2020. Am I right? That was a reference to the pandemic situation, as well as, let's just say, some vandalism of the stores where you might have shopped. But let's get uh, to the topic here today. Um, we've got a lot to talk about. Now, there's, uh, there's, there's uh, some statistics that uh, I was asked to by Nico Sotira Kapolus to read here. In the UK, there's a 10% shrink in the economy in 2020. Almost 700,000 people in the UK, including 120,000 children, have been plunged into poverty as a result of the COVID economic crisis, a think tank says. Well, well, we're certainly going to get into that. Uh, we want to uh, kind of explore the fact that politicians or say government or policy brings about poverty. And then guess who uh, it is that says they, they uniquely can solve the problem? The government, politicians, not by releasing their grips of the economy, not by liberating people to trade and produce. Oh, no, no, no. That is, that, uh, that's silly. No, they are going to, quote, create jobs or even better, they're going to provide us with entitlements, which apparently grow on trees. Well, even if they grew on trees, that would require some labor to pick, wouldn't they? Uh, we got quite a show today. We've got a guy who, talk about poverty. I mean, the state of uh, Hollywood these days uh, and production and, and showbiz, I imagine I imagine most actors are, are basically panhandling in the street at this point, this far into the, the pandemic. Please welcome Mark Pellegrino. Hey. <laughs> hey. Well, I, I don't I, imagine panhandling would be a different state for 99% of the actors out there. Very true. Very true. And, uh, and we've got a guy who, I got to tell you, I watched him the other day on the show when I was absent. He said, I look like a guy who watches Star Trek, which I don't know. Is that a compliment? Is that, is that kind of a 90s style insult? Oh, you're, you're a Star Trek fan. Uh-huh. You own a computer. You, you know how to work a computer, you nerd. Listen, this guy's a college professor and he's making fun of me for being too smart. Anyway, please welcome Nikos Sotirakopoulos. Thank you. Well, it has a simpler explanation, which is that you told me that you like Star Trek on a previous episode. Oh, that's what so, you meant. Yeah, that's, that was the point. So today, the question is this. Throughout history, we see governments making again and again huge mistakes, ruining economies. We have examples like Greece, Argentina. I mean, the list could go on. And yet, when the next crisis come on, here they are again imposing their thing and being very confident that they have the solution. So the question is why? Is there a pattern there? And this is why we chose the title, The Poverty-Making Personality. So Ayn Rand had an essay, The Money-Making Personality. So that's where the, that's where the idea came from. So why, how, how is it that the government or state bureaucrats can do these things and get away with it and do these colossal mistakes. <coughs> now, it remains to be seen up to what point the crisis is a result of the, of the pandemic or of the way that the governments deal with it. But there's no question, at least for me, that the governments have played the big role. So here's the thing. Whether it's a good or a bad idea, the government can enforce it to you by the use of force. 
you and me or anyone else who is dealing with people voluntarily in the market, they cannot do this. If the idea is bad, they will have to pay the consequences. If the idea is good, they win. The state bureaucrat hasn't got this thing to worry about. But also, very importantly, they won't be the one to pay the price. Best case or worst case for them, they say, oh, it's still very important because we will pay the political price. Where I can tell you that the guy who owns the pub that just closed or the guy who owns the dojo that I train, which is really suffering, or the hair salon, which is also going to close, they would happily trade place with someone who says, oh, I'm going to pay the political cost. Another thing is that, in a way, being a government insulates you from reality. Because, again, when you have the power of force, you don't care about small details, such as the fact that you cannot have distribution or redistribution if you don't have production. So you will say, I'll start the production, and then we'll see who will milk, where I'll take some stuff to give it to someone else. And what you have is this, this thing that where they can pick winners and losers. So also this gives you this boost that I, I'm here to save you, but very soon this I'm here to save you becomes stay in your line and let's see who has more of a need <clears throat> or more of a pool. So when I'm running Atlas Rock, talks about the aristocracy of pool. So she was, she was really into something. And here's what I've learned from all this as a Greek. So here's some Greek explaining about what a crisis means. A crisis usually means that at some point, some politicians, some Keynesian economists, or some socialists of the left or socialists of the right, they say, we have to act now, and let's see what will happen. In the long term, we're all dead. Now, with the pandemic, you have the extra layer that they say, we have to act now, otherwise many of you will be dead now. But what my generation has learned in Greece is that the long term that the economists were thinking some decades ago is now. So this is why we had our lives completely become upside down. This is why we had to leave the country. So that these are some first thoughts. And this is how I envision this bureaucrat central planner and how he can so easily wear the cape of the hero while actually uh, ruining economies, ruining countries, and ruining lives. And by the way, sorry, one more thing. The left used to say, oh, you put uh, the numbers above people, you liberal or capitalists or whatever. But again, these 700,000 people, I wonder how the left is going to see them and if they're just you know, numbers. Yeah, it's well, amazing. I think, I think yeah. uh, Nico's... Oh, go ahead. Did you well, want I was go? just going to say, people, they, they draw this distinction between economics and life. Like, oh, you care more about business than life? Oh, you, you care more about economic hurt than human life? Obviously, the two are linked and one and the same. But yeah, that's a passing thought. But go, go ahead, Mark, please. No, I was going to say, what, uh, what, gets, what gets me is why do we keep making the same mistake over and over again? How, how can a politician put on the cloak of heroism and the entire population goes along with it as if it's true, even though we, we see the results? Well, I think, I think we don't necessarily see the results. I think these people that you're talking about in closed pubs and, and closed shops uh, who, are, who are dying of suicide, these are the unseen. These are the Frederick Bastiat unseen 
parts to consequences, the hidden consequences that nobody's really paying attention to. But the reason these bureaucrats can wear the cloak of heroism is because you know, people have a Hobbesian view of, of human nature. You know, hu humans and the free market left to their own devices are savages who will just try to cannibalize each other to get on top. It's this type of social Darwinism. And they actually think that these politicians who are the true social Darwinists are the true moral cannibals out there. But they think these people are actually sound referees who will tame the, the worst uh, demons of our nature and channel them towards the better angels of our nature. So it comes from that flawed perspective of human nature, morality, and the split as, as, uh, as you were saying, Rucka, between the material and the spiritual, and where they think that you know, uh, business is somehow in conflict with your rights or the interests of business and doing business are somehow in conflict with your, with, with your life, all of which are untrue. And by the way, if you want to help out the poverty at the Ayn Rand Center UK, we do have a super chat feature that was activated not long ago. We're very excited. And uh, you could include a question or a comment or just uh, hook us up with some cash on this Cyber Monday. And we've got an upcoming uh, match. Uh, is that tomorrow, I believe? We've got uh, my, my, my boy Big E is going to be fronting, I think, a, a $1,000, not fronting. He's matching. No, no, up no, to, whoa, whoa, whoa. not the 1000 a hundred. Oh, $100, $100, which is, that's 10%. That's 10% of $1,000, bro. That's, I mean, that's 1% of 100000 I mean, we're getting, we're going places. 100 pounds, not even dollars. I mean, we're. <laughs> We're upgrading the pounds. So uh, thank you, Big E. And uh, any of you who want to uh, super chat us today, but also tomorrow, tomorrow it'll be matched. So it counts as double, basically, if I understand the concept. Anyway, uh, back, back, to, uh, back to the topic at hand. Nikos? It's your turn. What do you mean? Oh, it's my topic? turn? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, specifically... Um, it's just, it's just very disheartening to see what's been going on. I mean, businesses are shutting down. Just imagine. I mean, imagine opening a store or a restaurant. It's so difficult to sell food specifically because food expires. So the, the calculation you need to do to know how much food to order so that it doesn't expire, but also have enough to meet customer supplies or demand. It's already so difficult. And most restaurants go out of business anyway. Now, imagine trying to do that when you're not sure if restaurants will be permitted to be open within the next month, within the, for the next year. It's just so confusing and difficult. Um, I mean, the free market would have uh, handled a situation like this much better. I mean, I would even go a step further and say free market solutions or a free market system in medicine would have uh, prevented maybe this disease from maybe killing anyone. But that's that's harder to, to sell to people right now. But certainly once the pandemic hits, a free market would have been able to handle it so much better from, uh, from testing to uh, providing safe solutions to uh, how to kind of deal with all of this. Uh, but of course, the government sees themselves as, uh, you know, philosopher kings. They can tell you when to shut everything down and stay home. And I saw in Australia, the, the police tweeted at, at a lady, no, you may not walk your dog. What, what, where, what, what's going on, guys? And to, to paraphrase Raka, actually to directly quote Raka, because everything comes down to philosophy, why is it that people put up with this? Because what they do count on 
is the approval of you, the producer. Not only your approval for these plans, but also your, def, your, your consider as given approval to bear the consequence of their mistakes. So here's, here's what this means. It is morally forbidden for you to claim my business is being destroyed or my life is being destroyed or my values are being destroyed or my plans have been destroyed. Because then who are you to put your life above the lives of those who are dying? As if there's this correlation between the one and the other, but, but that's, another, that, that's, that's another discussion. And also you are expected, maybe not, what's the phrase, not to take it as a man, but to take it as an altruist, which means to approve the burden and to say yes, any time in the future that there is any need, I'm here to give my life, to give my time, to give my work, to correct any mistakes that these central planners are doing on my back. So basically, you are the one who needs to provide in good times, because then we need to have redistribution. You're the one who needs to provide in bad times. And if you wonder what would happen if you wouldn't do that, go read Atlas Rand. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, why, why are people, why are people compliant? Well, what, what does decades and decades of altruism do to the human soul? What does it do to your self-esteem to be told over and over again that you don't matter? You're not enough. Your, 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 your moral life only is, is only valid with respect to what you do for others. All of these things are in, or, or where egoism is considered a sin uh, selfishness is considered evil. I mean, you're, you, you literally birth a society where self-esteem is it, uh, what we would call pride, the, the emotional expression of self-esteem are bad. And so you, you have a, a generations of people who have zero self-esteem. So why wouldn't they comply with an authoritarian figure who seems to know what they're doing and know what they want and asserts himself the way they can't anymore? Absolutely. And uh, the link between kind of skepticism in, in philosophy and then altruism in, uh, in ethics, you know, specifically is clear. I mean, whether it's skepticism or mysticism, I think uh, one sort of leads to the other in various ways. I mean, when you're when you reject reason, it's only a matter of time before you're being called upon to sacrifice or you're calling on someone else to sacrifice for you. That is what mysticism leads to so we need to see that when a when an individual sees himself as empowered to look at the world independently and make rational decisions he's going to protest when he's being told to sacrifice and to just follow authority blindly now it is true that in a free society the government might have something to say about spreading the disease if you're being reckless during this type of emergency there's uh, the argument can be made i think that the government would have an important role to play. But the standard needs to be the protection of individual rights. And that's not the standard that I'm seeing uh, today. It's unfortunate what we're seeing. It's kind of like the lobby system where there's different pressure groups, meets emergency <coughs> politics, just meets general incoherence and emotionalism. And it's an absolute disaster. And people can't live under these conditions. And a business cannot be managed. You need to plan. You need to look at reality independently and rationally to make decisions uh, for your business. We got Stephanie in the chat room saying her pension only covers water, hydro, and internet. She has to work for food. Um, and how, how is she supposed to do that when so many uh, work opportunities are eliminated? 
and food is probably going to rise in price or else it'll be, you know, artificially lowered. She, she specifies hydro is electricity at the inflated save the planet prices. I thought at first hydro refers to a certain type of marijuana that is grown in water. And imagine the cruelty of the, of her, of her being provided with marijuana. And then she gets her appetite as a result of smoking it or eating the marijuana and now where she's supposed to get food. So that would, uh, I'm glad that's not the case. I'm so confused on why hydro has something to do with marijuana, but that's maybe because it sounds like Greek, because it's a Greek word. But here, here's another thing. What they're going to say to you is, oh, but we're just following the science. I want someone to explain me how the, uh, for example, we hear in Wales that, well, the pubs might be open, but not serve alcohol. How is the science? Or how the fact, for example, that the pull-ups bar in a park where the nearest person is some like two kilometers away is now surrounded by, surrounded by a fence? Or how is it that in Greece you have to text the government to walk, to take a walk by yourself? So, or why, for example, in some places you cannot walk out at night? So if someone can explain to me how all these things have nothing to do with the state flexing on you and telling you, you are a subject, you are to do what I tell, and how it has to do with the quote science. It's the so, science. Yeah, it's the science of authoritarianism. Sorry. It's the science of authoritarianism. Well, yeah, and you know, interestingly, who said that? Michel Foucault, who, on the things that the left shouldn't be quoting Foucault, they quote Foucault all the time. And the good, in the good things of Foucault, on this science of governance, as he called it, they've completely forgotten him. Let's not let's not forget. Also, I think something that was left out of Rucka's equation there was is the is the power of conformity. I mean, once once the dominoes started falling in favor of these mass shutdowns, these uh, these pussified, uh, feminized um, feminized politicians couldn't stand up and be the outlier. They could they they had to go along with the moral herd. That's that's part of what altruism is. And if they stood up and said, well, you know, the science dictates that a certain demographic is at risk, so I don't think we should shut down the economy generally. They would be seen as not anti-science, but anti-herd. They would be going against the group and that, that tall poppy needs to be cut down as fast as possible. By the way, in this country, I think, so I don't know whether, I don't think there's a much of a gender element because some of the most famous skeptics of the lockdown are uh, uh, women. Because in the beginning, remember, there was this narrative that countries that are led by women are more uh, compassionate. And the example was New Zealand. Interestingly, what this meant was that New Zealand imposed one of the strictest lockdowns in the world. It was a North Korea style of fact that no one is allowed to come in, no one is allowed to come out. So, but anyway, for the whole discussion on the gender pers perspective on the pandemic, I think we did episode two or three or four, one of the first five episodes, but anyway. Well, I was just using the term in its politically incorrect sense. Sorry? I was just using the term in, in its politically incorrect sense to denote soy boys. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, I was trying to keep just the in general, in, in generally a, a lack of cashews with respect to, or self-esteem uh, with respect to acting for your own good. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with cashew milk, almond milk, by the way. No. Uh, soy milk, it needs to go. 
Um, <laughs> let, let, let me point out, um, we can do an episode, and I think we ought to, about like what's wrong with some of the protests. So like Will Miller in the chat room says half the country, about half the country is going along with this, like the population is, and the other half are saying go to hell, like they're, they're protesting and they're resisting this. Yeah, but kind of what bothers me a lot of the time is the pushback against authoritarianism. It, it, it's, it's, it's done with this sort of culture of like anti-science. Uh, you know, there's this pride of not wearing a mask, you know, like I don't need to wear a mask. Like, you sure about that? Um, so there's just this general uh, kind of distrust of science, a heavy, heavy um, presence of conspiracy minded people among the protesters against these lockdowns. So. I mean, kind of what scares me more than anything often has been the sort of uh, conspiracy-minded, anti-rational push against perceived uh, oppression. So I, I think uh, there's a lot to be said about the sort of anti-lockdown protests and what might be wrong with some of them. Uh, there's a lot. Uh, I think how much of that, how much do you think is a an irrational response, albeit, but a response to a perceived... Uh, systemic dishonesty on the part of the media so that they don't feel they're getting all the information. They feel like the media is in bed with the establishment and they are rebelling in general. So they have the good, the right sense of life, the and American sense of I refuse to give in to authority. They're just not informed by the right philosophy, unfortunately. And, and the media is so important because in countries like Greece, one of the biggest scandals of the last decades that of course no one talks about is that the government openly gave a ridiculous amount of money to the media to quote, inform the people about the pandemic and to inform was basically to scare everyone and, uh, and, uh, and completely counterproductively make sure that everyone, everyone gets panic. So yeah, I've had a lot of discussions with Razi on this topic and whether there is something healthy in the protest. His point of view is more towards a no. I'm more on the skeptical side because I haven't followed who is there, but his idea is that you don't want to be side by side with some people. So even if the general narrative is good, still a protest is characterized by the people who participate in it. But hey, maybe that's a topic for another discussion. But I just, yeah. I, I want to say, I think the protests are an expression of the American sense of life. And that's what the media is trying to kill by highlighting the most redneck, toothless, conspiratorial elements who don't have any philosophy guiding their, their sort of random uh, random angst at authoritarianism. So I think they're trying to kill the American spirit by, by, by painting them all with one broad brush. I think you could uh, kind of look at the whole Trump phenomenon and ask the same questions, like how much of this is like a healthy sense of life versus how much of it is a turn for the worst. And uh, I, don't, I don't have the exact figures. I don't have the exact stats of like how much of this is healthy versus how much of this is incoherent and a turn for the worse. So all I can really say is, yeah, we need the right philosophy or else this is going nowhere positive. So when I see people, um, you know, congregating in big numbers with no masks and kind of making such a big deal, calling COVID a hoax, this is not healthy. This is not healthy. So uh, I tend to agree with Lord Emperor Razi behind the scenes. I've become increasingly um, uh, dis uh, reluctant to find any common ground with the, with the right. And of course, the left are the like the, the lunatics at the moment. However, what matters is kind of what's the alternative being offered. And I'm very concerned. And the, 
Right, and the alternative being offered is just a, a, a unguided reaction to the lunacy of the left. So neither side is good. It's like, it's like being faced with statism versus anarchy. Nah, I, I prefer neither, thank you very much. But you need philosophy for that. And yeah, something that we say quite often is the big lesson from all this madness is make sure people that we don't end up like, so we, we mentioned that on the Smears on Nine Rand episode. So for example, when you attack someone, make sure you attack them on the right ground. So same with the government and the lockdowns, make sure we attack them on the proper grounds and not on the grounds that this is a hoax by God knows, uh, God knows whom. But hey, very interesting how the supposed uh, cult of objectivists again end up disagreeing <laughs> on a topic so we're doing the whole cult thing uh, wrong so anyway <laughs> so tomorrow just a reminder that it's giving tuesday and one of our very generous donors the big e as uh, raka named him has said that he's gonna match every donation up to 100 pounds so as Raga said it, because I can't process maths very well, whatever you donate tomorrow up to 100 pounds, consider it double. But up to 100 pounds, don't give 500 and believe that Big E is going to give 500 more. But if you want to give 500 more power to you. Anything else, gentlemen? Uh, thank you, Ragnar. Thank you, Ragnar in the desert, in the, of the desert in the chat room. You donated $20 American. That's what I'm talking about. The real kind of money, <laughs> not that monopoly currency you guys have over there. Uh, you know, our currency has more value than dollar at the moment. I mean, you know, values are a, a rich topic. We can get into that. <laughs> a value to whom and for what? <laughs> okay. Thank you, everyone. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. Thank you.